It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down An American loser the day I was born all right, welcome back to another episode of American Loser. My name is KP Burke. I'm your host here. Uh, if you don't know about the show, here's what we do every week. We cover some of the biggest losers in American history. We like talking about stuff that hasn't really been talked about to death, per se. Uh, each week, it's usually me and my father and the handsome big kahuna behind the ones and twos. What's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> oh, nothing much, buddy. You know how it is. Uh, Larry's on vacation again, so there's only one person that can sub in. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you enjoyed her. <laughs> Cousin Kelly returns. How are you, Kel? I'm so happy to be here. No, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Now, uh, you are a scholarly person, correct? <laughs> that sounds funny. Let, um, it, let it be known, people, that she is so hyped for this. Like, she came in all giddy. She was like, we're going to talk about Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> and then get called scholarly. <laughs> well, it's, uh, my, my buddy uh, Billy actually gave us a good tagline for the show. Because we've had a couple good tags. And one of them was, uh, you guys are like PBS if they were alcoholics. Um, <laughs> the other one was uh, NPR with F-bombs. And then the other one that I enjoyed recently was he goes, it's a show for the curious, not the scholarly. <laughs> okay. Which yeah. we're not going to get it all right. We're not going to do uh, – you can't write a thesis on this show, but you can you know, enjoy a little bit here. Challenge but, uh, accepted. You were an English major, correct, Kel? Yes, literature. Mm. I actually – master's in literature. See? That's <laughs> – <laughs> There's a hierarchy now, which brag. I like. <laughs> we got some fancy. We got someone fancy up in the studio today. All right, all right. Well, the uh, least fancy masters in literature, but. Well, I went to uh, I went to Brookdale Community College after I got out of the Navy. And one of my favorite things to talk to you about was uh, when I was taking my short stories class over there. Which I'm a dummy, and I thought it was going to be a story like we were going to write short stories in the class, but it wasn't. We were studying famous short stories, mm-hmm. and I remember coming to you with all this stuff, and I couldn't believe like. You and me usually talk about football yeah. or weird stuff that our dads do. Or, or television. And, yeah, or, or The Shield. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this one was really cool. We had a chance to talk about this a little bit. Around this time, I want to say two or three years ago, I sat down and read The Fall of the House of Usher. Mm-hmm. Okay, not Usher the hip-hop kid. Um, <laughs> a different house. It was written by, like we said, a Today's American Loser, which is Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, off the top of your head, Kahuna, what's the first thing that pops into your mind when you hear Edgar Allan Poe? Telltale Heart. That's my Ooh. favorite one. Damn. What about you? Wait. So, Kel, what's the imagery that pops in your head, though, when you hear Edgar Allan Poe? It's always – he's not a big, sunny, happy guy. Oh, no. No. He's demented, and that's why I love him. I always think about if he were, like, a current person, he would be writing the craziest shows that we would love. I feel like he would be Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> he, would, he would kill it on Game of Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good point too on that one. But he was uh, the author of the Raven, obviously his most famous one, the Telltale Heart, the Fall of the House of Usher, the Cask of Amontillado. Uh, I mean, he was known as uh, his. He had cool nicknames too. I mean, if you wanted to be a pro wrestler, he had cool nicknames. Edgar Allan Poe was the master of the macabre, and he was a central figure in American Romanticism, which is cool because it focused on individualism in literature, which was really cool. Kind of a coming of age thing. This is where America starts proving to the rest of the world we got cool shit going on here too. We have culture. We're not just a bunch of backwards. We're not a bunch of savages, people. We're still savages. We're straight up savages. But But, uh, one thing I didn't know, I wasn't aware of this, 
Edgar Allan Poe was the father of the modern detective story. Did you know that? Um, I have heard that, but I have never read any of his detective stories. Well, it's cool. I, I like how he played because I never read it either. I mean, it's uh, there's always the classics, right? Like, what were the stuff? What was the stuff of his that you would uh, be researching if you or reading for the masters in English? Well, Telltale Heart. Um, I don't. Uh, the Fall of the House of Usher is not one of my favorites. It's it's long. Um, the Cask of Amontillado. All, none of them are really that long, but I like the ones where it's a crazy person who's the narrator, and oh, the black cat gets me upset. But <laughs> that's a, he's a crazy, and the whole time he's talking about I'm not crazy, I'm not crazy, trying to prove he's not. Meanwhile, he is. Those are my favorite. Can I ask you? Because this is a thing that they talk about. Uh, what is for people who don't know? What is an unreliable narrator as a literary Ooh, device? He is. Yeah, good. Okay, so a, re- a reliable narrator is a narrator that you could trust is telling you the truth. But an unreliable narrator would say, I'm not crazy, I'm not crazy. Meanwhile, the person's crazy. So he played around with that a little bit. He then. did. These are some cool I've things. Nev- this is something I never thought about. Good for you. That's well, so crazy. Like, it's such an easy name for it, but I never put a name to that type of narration that's mm-hmm. actually kind of cool yeah that there actually is a name for it i think unreliable so, narrators are the most fun yeah that i think uh, a good example of that recently is you might know who this is maybe youtube deadpool when like when he talk because he talks to the audience as well sometimes but he's not always the most reliable person to hear from when uh, when somebody explained when we were trying to talk about the literary device known as an unreliable narrator one of the professors just goes you guys know what I'm saying where sometimes they don't tell and he goes Kaiser Soze and every, all of a sudden everybody got it because usual suspects is just <laughs> uh-huh. but uh, what speaking, a great movie speaking of unreliable narrators uh, this is kind of an interesting guy so if he is the master of the macabre he is one of the first ever literary critics in American history. He's got this – we just rattled off a bunch of the names of his works that everybody knows, but they don't necessarily – like everyone knows Poe, all right? Got to be one of the most famous authors in American history. So why would he be considered a loser? The reason why, his death is fascinating. Why was he found in a state of delirium on the streets of Baltimore, age 40, a couple of days before his death? He died, I think, the day after. But still, like nobody knows the answer to this yet. We haven't solved the mystery of why Edgar Allan Poe died. So – Pretty fascinating guy. In order to understand, I think we should give a little background here. Kel, stop me when uh, if I get anything wrong. First of all, you're here for my integrity. <laughs> and then also if you know anything else too on this one because I know he's a fascinating dude. Um, born Edgar Poe, the Allen would come later, on January 19th, 1809. Poe was the child of two actors, all right? And he was born in Boston, considered himself a Bostonian, which is hilarious because an NFL franchise is named after him later on. But uh, his father abandoned the family in 1810. And his mother would die in 1811. So if you notice, if you're keeping track at home with the American losers, uh, nobody has a good family life and everybody drops out of college. That seems to be the consensus for being an American loser. So stay in college, Noel. You hear me? Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. But uh, so he had a, a – at age two, Poe was taken in by the Allen family, A-L-L-A-N. Uh, he's never formally adopted, which is kind of funny because I'm an adopted kid. But uh, uh, he's never formally adopted, but he is given the Allen name. So without that early on tragedy in his life, he would just be Edgar Poe, which is way less of a, a good pen name than Edgar Allen Poe. He totally Poe. would have changed it. He, <laughs> even if you never met the Allens, he probably would have changed it. I think it's a good pen name, I think. You know? Yeah, definitely. But, uh, so Edgar Allen Poe, like it, it rolls really well. You know what I mean? Well, it's, it's like I lie and I say – like I'm actually Kevin Burke, but there's another comedian named Kevin Burke out there. So I go by KP Burke because that was my nickname growing up. So <laughs> good old Kevin Patrick. But uh, – <laughs> 
1815, Poe was then taken abroad and he studied in Scotland and England, kind of a cool experience for a young man at that point. But uh, as a college-aged man, you know, and he had this weird kind of relationship with his stepfather too, uh, that uh, Mr. Allen would uh, discipline him severely, but then also spoil the shit out of him at the same time. So it was kind of a, I don't know, maybe a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A bipolar uh, stepfather and son dynamic that they had. But uh, he actually, as a college-age man, Poe decided to attend the brand new, it was one year old at the time he was there, the University of Virginia. Oh, wow. Yeah. What do you know about them, Kel? I know that I could never have gotten in, nor any of my children. But it's beautiful. I think it was number one most beautiful college. Did uh, e- either of your kids take uh, campus tours down there or no? <laughs> there was no need No, no need? <laughs> that would have been a waste of time. Well, um, it was brand new at the time, but the school was founded. I thought this was insane. And uh, you have college-age kids, so I'm going to ask you this one. Uh, do you think that they should be in charge of the form of government on campus? The kids? Yes. Depends on the kids. I, I, talking depends about government, the, look what the adults de- are doing it right now. It depends on the college. <laughs> you have uh, you have two very well-adjusted kids, and um, but at the time, down at the University of Virginia, Thomas Jefferson had created a student-run kind of self-form of government down there. Uh, so, of course, they say on the front, like, oh, no drinking, no gambling, no prostitution, anything else. Like, but it was all largely ignored on the campus. So it was like, as long as you didn't get caught, you weren't in trouble kind of a thing. So... Because the students are running the government, they have more power, and all they have to do if somebody starts ruining their good time is rat them out for doing the same stuff that everybody else is doing. So it's essentially the first animal house is taking place, and Edgar Allan Poe shows up over there, a very young, impressionable Edgar Allan Poe. See, that's an idea. That's a movie. I mean, they're doing that Sherlock Holmes film with Will Ferrell and uh, John C. Riley. I could see that being like... An early 1800s animal house. Yeah, but Sherlock Holmes is based on Edgar Allan Poe's detective story. Damn. Is it, wait, is it really? Did you see what Kelly just did? Yeah. You tried taking us on one of those left turns, Kahuna, and Kelly's like, no wait fucking a way. Did he really? Yeah. That's in- – wow, that's He's crazy. First, yeah, he, he wrote the first detective stories and Like Sherlock the legitimate Holmes- – like, sorry, the legitimate like first ever detective stories Edgar Allan Poe wrote. Yeah, and there were references to him in Sherlock Holmes. Wow. Wow. It's, uh, it gets even weirder. Um, now, Poe, uh, he kind of had his vices, if you will. So, uh, like, when you guys think of him, you know, his portrayal in, in popular culture is what? People always – everybody I've mentioned that we're going to do this this week um, for Edgar Allan Poe, people always say, oh, you know, he was an opium addict, right? You hear that a lot? No. It's a, it comes up a lot with him. People always think he was an opium addict, and they always think he was a big alcoholic. There's some truth to the alcoholic thing, but the opium thing – it shows up, but it shows up in the weirdest place possible. It makes almost no sense here. But he is a man of vices, likes a little action, goes ahead and he's uh, ringing up some large gambling debts down at the school while he's hanging out at the University of Virginia. <laughs> All right. Setting up too many of them fucking poker poker nights at the school. I wonder what the gambling games were back then. Dice, for sure. Got to be dice. <laughs> <laughs> Cards. Yeah, they weren't doing fantasy football back then, I don't think. But uh, – <laughs> But uh, he rang up these big gambling debts, and uh, he would claim that his stepfather, Mr. Allen, never provided him enough money for him to buy uh, textbooks or even really pay for tuition, and he didn't give him enough money to even furnish a dorm room or anything like that. So Allen then sent more money but noticed that Poe's gambling debts would continue to rise. So uh, Poe was a little bit of a, oh, well, you know, you're not helping me out here enough, but I'm also going to keep burying myself at the same time. I've been there before. Where you say you're broke, and then you spend your last $20 going out to the bar. But – 
During this time, he also uh, would lose out. If you want to talk about a loser, uh, he loses out on the first love of his life. Talk about uh, uh, Edgar Allan Poe being a, a very sexy, if you will, name. Uh, not a sexy name. Sarah Elmira Royster. <laughs> that was his first love, if you will. Um, he decides not to return to the university after a year because of the gambling debts and everything. And then she winds up marrying or at least engaged to another guy. So um, this is where Poe and me start to have a little bit in common, Kelly, which I'm thrown off by. Mm-hmm. Um, Poe leaves the university after a year like I left Bergen Community College having attained a grade point average of 0. 0.0. <laughs> uh, I dropped that after one Zero semester. 0.0. Why was the opposite of Poe? Because I would go to um, – as a great two animal, animal house, house great references. Animal house reference. Two animal house references so far in this <laughs> podcast. But uh, he went ahead and he actually joined the military, which is the same thing I did when it didn't work out for me in college. Uh, but um, he started writing uh, underneath an alias. His first pen name was Henry Le René is what uh, I was told. Or Le Renet. I'm not sure because we, we're Americans. We don't really know how to pronounce French words for the most part. But uh, – when he left the university, he headed up to Boston. He was working odd jobs as like an editor for a couple of newspapers. And let's be honest, he probably would have had a podcast at that point. I think that's what you do when your life's not going anywhere. You start a podcast <laughs> with your dad. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah. invite Randy. Do they have their on. own big kahuna? That's a, no, they did not. <laughs> You're a treasure, my friend. Um, <laughs> but uh, like most artists, he had no money, so he joined the army as a private in May of 1827. Uh, he lied about his age. He was 18, but he said he was 22. So he served in Boston at Fort Independence while he was there, almost like uh, – I always think about Johnny Cash, how he wrote a bunch of his early songs while he was still in the Air Force. So uh, Poe is writing. He releases his first book, which is literally uh, Tamerlane and Other Poems. Did you ever read Tamerlane, Kel? Yeah, I've read it. I can't recite it. No one remembers it, I don't think. I think that's one of the forgotten works. But uh, in his forward, he wrote uh, to uh, endear himself to the local people that it was uh, poems written uh, from a Bostonian. So he's real big on playing up the whole Boston connection, which, again, when you think of Poe, we always think of Baltimore, right? But uh, Poe made sergeant major within two years, which is insanity, by the way. That's how fast this dude got promoted. Uh, Sergeant major is the highest enlisted rank you can have in the military. So there's people that spend their entire – like the equivalent in the Navy would be to a chief petty officer. I knew guys that if they made that in eight years, that they were considered like prodigies. My buddy did it. And um, I mean this guy, he's in two years and now he's got the highest enlisted rank, which means he's getting paid a shitload of money. Not a shitload is, but for so, the time. So is this – of the time, it was still hard to become a sergeant major, do you know? It had to be because this is um, 1827. So you're in a post-revolutionary uh, standpoint, post-1812, but pre-Civil um, War and uh, you know war with Mexico and everything like that. So I think they're still trying to figure it out. Definitely still an accomplishment. I would put it that way. It's a great mm-hmm. question. Um, but uh, it's kind of weird when you're the highest enlisted rank – but then you decide you just want out. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, I got the top pay grade. I'm done. So he decides he wants out of the military, tells his commanding officer about his fraudulent enlistment because he's like, oh, well, here's how I'll get out. I'll just tell you guys that you're fucking idiots. And, and a house lot feet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. But uh, so he uh, he goes ahead and uh, he, has a, he admits to having a fraudulent enlistment, but his commanding officer won't let him leave without him writing to you know, his stepfather, John Allen. Uh, Poe wrote several letters to Allen, none of them receiving a response. 
and John's wife, uh, Frances, who had been stepmother to Poe, who he apparently had a pretty good relationship with, uh, died on February 28th, 1829. So didn't even make it into March. That sucks. But uh, <laughs> Is that the cutoff? Yep. Uh, <laughs> Poe visited the day after her funeral, and he finally received Alan's blessing to go ahead and leave his enlistment, which was cool. Uh, so he, he finally gets that approval. It's a... Uh, is that considered like an honorary discharge then still? Or is it was he still in trouble for the fact that he lied about the age? Awesome question. So they let all that shit slide because if you could procure your replacement back in the day, you could pretty much get out <laughs> yeah, of anything. Find your so, replacement. Yep, that was uh, almost like Grover Cleveland had the um, the Polish immigrant take his place in the Civil War. <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe yeah. was like, hey, dude, have you thought about – how you might be a good fit for the U.S. Army. <laughs> if you ever no. wanted to be a sergeant major, <laughs> the person all of a sudden become a now sergeant major. <laughs> now, would it be have to? Would he have to find someone that would be level rank as he was when he left, or would he have to find like a new recruit? That no, they I could... imagine it would be a new recruit because you don't want if you can <laughs> if you're starting a business and you're going to replace an employee with an employee. Um, you'd want to bring them in at the bottom level so it's not costing you a lot of money. I imagine. Okay. Yeah, so, you just just a thought on that one here. But uh, while he uh, is waiting now, because this is the funny thing here. I got out of the military, and I decided I never wanted to do anything like that again. But I'm an idiot, so I tried to be a Port Authority cop. Okay? I should have just learned my lesson. But like, I really don't like, you know, it's not for me. I can do it, but it's not a thing that I wake up every day excited about. Uh, but Poe didn't learn that lesson either. He decided to go, all right, well, now that I'm out of the military, now I can go to West Point. <laughs> it's a true story, too. I never even heard this. this it makes terrifying. no sense. Well, that, that's what I was fascinated by with him is that uh, – so he was a sergeant major uh, at Fort Independence in Boston, and now he decides that he's going to attend West Point, OK? Um, ROTC. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so he uh, – Poe publishes another so book. Uh, yeah, he, he, we're going to see that playing out in all sorts of weird shades. Um, so Poe publishes another book while he's waiting to attend West Point. He finally arrives in 1830. Uh, during this time, John Allen, his stepfather, marries again to uh, Louisa Patterson. Um, yeah, I'm assuming related to John Patterson, so they're all authors together. But um, with uh, with whom he would have significant quarrels, John Allen and his new wife, about uh, the estate and his family and everything like that, which she kind of forces him to finally legally disown Edgar Allan Poe. So Poe is now a man without a family again. So when you're off off ugh, orphaned at age two. And then the guy who brings you in now disowns you after your stepmother dies. I mean, he's got nowhere else to go. It's pretty much – he does have some loose family members attached here and there, but it's not a very happy life, man. Um, he hates his life up at West Point now. Who figured that one out? Um, <laughs> but uh, here's how he got – if you wanted to quit a job, Kelly, how would you quit a job? If you wanted to get – actually, even better, if you wanted to get kicked out of school, how would you have done it? <laughs> There are so many ways to get kicked out of school. I've seen people throw things out of windows and light their beds on fire. So there's multiple ways to get kicked out of school. How would you get kicked out? Um, Well, the way that I got kicked out of... uh, You already were kicked out. (laughs) (laughs) I never got kicked out of school. I did get... um, I I don't quit things. I leave them before they can quit me or make me quit rather. But um, what I did was... uh, it made me think of this in a similarity uh, to Poe is that he hated his life at West Point, so he decided to get expelled by refusing to attend classes and religious services. 
and when he was being brought up against like a tribunal, if you will, uh, to figure out what to do with him, he pled not guilty as a tactic because he figured that would piss them off and they'd be like, oh, you know, oh, and you're not even going to admit that you're not showing. So, all right, you're out of here. You don't have any integrity. It's the same way I got out of the Navy reserves by not showing up one weekend. And they're like, hey, why don't you show up this week? And I was like, oh, I read I didn't have to show up to all the weekends. And they're like, well, that's true, but you're in trouble. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm out. I'm not coming back, guys. <laughs> so when you're a reservist, you can quit. Learn that. Um, but uh, here's where uh, – so he's got a couple really cool – where are some of the titles that he has? Because Poe's a, a, a master of a good title, I think. Like, the, where's The Pit and the Pendulum, that's a pretty good title. It's a damn good title. It, um, his next book he puts out, though, just called Poems. It's literally okay. just called poems, and uh, it was funded. Are they good poems? Yeah, they're great. But the, what a lackluster title! <laughs> it sure is a, a, a now. It's um, it's almost like if our show was just called podcast. You know, that's kind of what it. <laughs> but uh, there probably is a podcast out there just called that podcast. The, the podcast, sake, yeah, just for the sake of laziness. Well, uh, his poem, uh, this book of poems, rather, was funded by donations from his fellow cadets at West Point. It's actually in the uh, uh, in the forward. I believe there's a dedication to them. Um, but the reason why they all were kind of crowdsourced or GoFundMe, he, he uh, had the first he had the first Kickstarter. He did. Goddamn. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> That's um, what was interesting. Though, is that they all thought they probably thought that they were getting um, these funny poems that Poe would write where he would write like a satirical poem about the instructors at West Point, where it's him making fun of his teachers, and that's what they thought. It's almost like when, um, when you're a little kid and you hear Eminem rapping for the first time, you're like, oh, the real Slim Shady, he's just making fun of pop culture that I hate, and then the rest of the CD is just about taking Vicodin and suicide. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm in sixth grade. This is tough. But uh, Fourth. Yeah. Oh, damn. I was in fourth when I heard Eminem rap for the first time. It's uh, it is your uh, your oh, uh, BC and AD moment in your life as a child when you hear Eminem. <laughs> See, but it's crazy. Like I wasn't that shocked about it because I grew up in a house where my dad would censor music so that he could listen to like the heavy, the heavy shit. But he would play beep versions just so he could listen to it in the car. It's um one weird thing that if it's going to be like named poems is that uh, you'd think that he's starting to have some success. Still not. Still not having any success. Uh, when he gets dismissed from West Point, Poe then heads back to Baltimore where his brother dies of, you guys want to take a wild guess? Syphilis? Oh, clo- <laughs> Alcoholism, actually. Uh, I was going to guess tuberculosis for some reason. <laughs> he wanted are- to guess diseases. <laughs> I swear, uh, Kahuna's like, Kahuna's plugged into this story without knowing it because he's like a couple steps ahead of us on, on a lot of which is good because you're picking Wait, up the, what? Really? Pick, wait to hear about how tuberculosis comes in here, man. You're plugged into the zeitgeist on this one. I appreciate it. Um, no mumps. That's a, <laughs> whatever could kill you in uh, Oregon Trail. Um, but uh, so Poe uh, – now it does run in the family, alcoholism, So which is weird because, uh, I mean, you're my cousin, Kelly, right? But uh, biologically, I'm adopted. So we have and we're no still co- alcoholics. A- <laughs> yeah, maybe it is a uh, – uh, what's it called? A um, nature versus nurture argument on that one. But uh, Poe decides – when he gets out, man, he's going to go ahead. This is the first time he knew it would be difficult, but he's going to endeavor to – and he winds up succeeding, being one of America's first writers to make a living solely from writing. Because like all the other founding fathers, they were all lawyers that had practices, and then they also wrote in their spare time kind of a thing. 
So he's like the first full time writer. Yeah, it's like when we started this podcast, I was still putting water softeners in people's basements. You know, I wasn't a full time <laughs> podcaster. But um, what I thought was interesting is that at the time it was extremely tough to make a living uh, as a writer and editor because of uh, international copyright laws. So if you want to talk about the the trouble that that causes now with streaming and online content and everything, it's going on in the printed world way back then too. Since the 1830s, we're still dealing with that so shit. So was this dude like the first hipster, basically? He's the first many things, it seems like. I wonder. Well, he does rock a, a good mustache if you've seen a picture of old Edgar Allan. Oh, I've seen a picture that's, of Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> I, this, this is, that's part of the reason I suggested such an inquiry. <laughs> you might be onto something with that. Oh, let's test that theory here um, as we go on because uh, I, when you notice a hipster thing, let me know here because there's a couple other very goofy ones with him. Um he is first of all he's forced to beg for jobs from people and he pleads for money for money rather from a lot of the admirers of his talent. Okay. So it's like, you know, if I if I ever sat there one day I was like, "Hey, Ming Chen, I can't afford, but you know, I can't afford the studio time, but my podcast is really good, right?" Everyone says it's great. We had like an early Patreon system going on. <laughs> Not too bad on that one. It's uh but um what are other jobs you could get as a writer, Kelly, if you were to an editor. So editor and then uh, probably working like newspapers, shit like that. Yeah. It's um like English what, teacher. Not bad. That's an interesting one. It's um what I would uh say is that uh, this is where it gets very goofy. You always need a rich benefactor to go to a Dickens uh world with this one. So uh the rich benefactor was a guy named John P. Kennedy, who was a fan of Poe's work, decided to help get him published a little bit more in several journals. Then got him a job at a prominent periodical uh, down in Richmond. So as always, it pays to know the Kennedys. <laughs> now, at this point, was did he at, <laughs> did he at least like have money saved up from his good job that he had going, or was he still in like the midst of gambling bullshit? Uh, it would seem that Poe, while he does achieve fame during his life, never has money. Yeah, I think he's always poor. So now uh, being destitute, I guess, is different, right? But he's got, you know, he's not a well off dude. Um, get this one that job he got hired for down in Richmond, Virginia. Kelly, what's the weirdest way you ever got fired from a job? They called me up and said, don't come. <laughs> Your shift starts in an hour, but don't bother coming in. Do, do I bother asking what the job was? You don't have to say it. <laughs> no, it's being a waitress, and I was too weak to hold up the trays. <laughs> Fired me. What? <laughs> I couldn't carry the trays I was small and weak and they fired me, but it was devastating because it was my first job. I hear you. But they didn't wait for me to come in. They were like, <laughs> they called me. Over walk. the phones, kind of. Well, <laughs> yeah, but well, you that, didn't, that's the real story. You didn't do what Poe did, though. Poe uh, po got fired from that job. He got hooked up with Dan in Richmond from his, uh, his benefactor, the guy finally looking out for him. You want to make money as a writer and an editor? Well, here's a periodical you can write for. Dude starts showing up drunk, gets fired. <laughs> Um, I've shown up drunk, but no one's ever figured it out because uh, I realized early on if you show up drunk the first day of work, they don't. They just think that's how you are. <laughs> you should so, go on every interview. Exactly. Drunk. It's Moral a, I've been, the story. Like, yeah, he doesn't, huh, it's a good kid. He doesn't make a lot of eye contact. Um, <laughs> Falls down a lot. Oh crap! <laughs> what is that you're wearing, Burke? Is that a is that Old Spice? <laughs> KP Burke's tips for life: show up to a job interviews drunk all the time. Just do it. <laughs> they can't prove you're wrong, kid. Um, it's it's gotten him this far. Uh, exactly. Um, now, when he decides uh, to return to Baltimore after getting fired, this is where it gets weird. Tough episode to have you on, Kel. Um, you're one of my favorite people here, but Poe marries his cousin. Does that weird you out? Yeah. It's <laughs> I'd have a problem with a guest if they said no. 
That's <laughs> a uh, yeah, a uh, good point too. There's no <laughs> uh, Poe obtains a license to marry his cousin Virginia Clem. Uh, Poe is 26 at the time. Okay, uh, and Virginia is 13. Okay, so that's another no-no. Yeah, that's uh, so that's literally twice your age, and then I mean, and your cousin and your cousin. Yeah, it's you're sick. <laughs> I, I really do wonder, like, what what conversation can you have? Like, I've got a good relationship with all of my like cousins, nieces, nephews, but there's a certain point where it's like, jeez, uh, you're fucking thirteen. Like, you're, you're talking have, about Fortnite. We have nothing in common right <laughs> now. You know what I mean? Like, how old's Danny A? I'm not putting you on the spot. Don't worry. That's <laughs> I know he's in sixth grade. Yeah. Well, my conversation with him, Mark, it's going to be different than like, oh, by the way, we should spend our lives together. I know. <laughs> he could talk some Giants, that kid. Uh, he knows his shit. It's, uh, we haven't gotten a good New York Giants reference in yet. I'll find a way to shoehorn that before the end here. But uh, Poe. Um, <laughs> Lose our life. <laughs> get it, it, it does hurt. Um, <laughs> but now Poe's starting to get his shit together because he's got a wife to provide for. And uh, Poe promises better conduct. Gets his job back over in Richmond. And now during his time as an editor, you want to prove that you were the right person for a job. Uh, he ups the readership from 700 readers to 3,500 readers. So the paper's growing significantly underneath uh, his uh, editing and uh, guidance, I suppose you would say. Um, in May of 1836 – now he obtained the license a while before this. But in May of 1836, Poe marries Virginia, his uh, his cousin. Uh <laughs> Who lies about her age uh, in order to be legally married. Uh, and uh, Poe was responsive uh, as saying, uh, goodness gracious, great balls of fire. <laughs> so she lied. So wait. He didn't know how old his cousin was or he, she lied to the they, government. They, I think they agreed to lie to the okay. government, which is wacky. Oh, oh my God. That has, I have more questions now, but. Oh, you sick fuck. The more questions you ask about that, the more uncomfortable Poe gets. Um, oh, man. <laughs> well, uh, now we were talking about titles earlier. This is one of the coolest titles I've ever heard. Uh, maybe you've heard this one in the past, but he released a series of uh, short stories and stuff. Because Poe was a uh, – he was a poet by uh, – I would say like he's, he's well known for his poetry as well as the short stories. A lot of people can't differentiate between the two in terms of uh, – uh, adjusting their styles or whatever, so they're not going to have as much success in one or the other. But Poe seems to be—I mean, he smacks home runs in poetry with you know the Raven and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and then the short stories we've been talking about. I mean, yeah, I heard he was famous from the Raven. Well, uh, it, I actually found out a, a weird side note for uh, the Raven. Um, it comes a little bit later on in his life, but uh, that uh, essentially the Raven is the height of his drinking. So. That's why you have that nice moody thing. Like you ever get around a, an alcoholic before eleven o'clock on a Monday? It's they're just a moody prick. Um, but uh, Poe publishes a collection of short stories and poems. Uh, this is the, one of the coolest titles I've ever heard: "Tales of the Grotesque and Arabesque," or Arabesque, I guess. Arabesque, I'm going to say. But uh, grotesque, by the way, meaning when we hear that word, what do you think when you hear grotesque? Disgusting. Disgusting like- or. Appalling, just just the worst of the worst. Well, it was used to describe some forms of art that were like crude forms of art, where like somebody would take a, a stone painting of like a uh, or stone structure, and they would carve like a little gargoyle or something into it. So that's considered grotesque art. Mm-hmm. So oh, okay. we think like you know like gross stuff, like you know YouTube videos or world star hip hop at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, gross. Prob- the word you just gross had to bring world from- star hip hop into right. it. We we went. We've gone many episodes without bringing them into it. And mm-hmm. you, ah, oh, man, come on, KP. 
Well, uh, I just thought it was interesting that that's the uh, uh, the start of the word, if you will. Because you hear that word and you think it means different things than what it actually means. I bet gro- the word gross probably came from grotesque, and they don't even mean the same thing. We do bastardize stuff. Um, it's it's off topic, but I think everybody who's listening to this will appreciate this. Um, when you hear the word rapture, sounds bad, right? You know what the meaning of the word rapture is? Is it enough to do with music or something? Well, the, the rapture, you think like biblical. Old Testament, biblical stuff, end of days kind of shit, right? Oh, I thought it was a type of music. No, it's uh, – uh, so the rapture is fear the rapture, but the mean, the actual definition of the word rapture is an intense feeling of pleasure or joy. So when they say, you know, stand by for the rapture, mm-hmm. we're always thinking we're going to burn and everything because probably we're all sinners and the rapture is just experienced by good people. But, uh, yeah, so it's weird how these words don't actually mean what we think they mean in terms of how we use them in context. That is quite weird. But uh, Especially me. with this word, with rapture. Like, who was, who was like, hey, this means a good thing. Let's make this mean a bad thing. I wonder, because words change meaning with time. All I want you to do is Google rapture, because I need to know if it has anything to do with music or if I just sounded really stupid on a podcast. It, would it surprise you? You could convince someone, goes, oh, you into rapture, bro? <laughs> It's but Christian hip-hop. Of course I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> Christian hip-hop is called Rapture. That's a great joke. <laughs> uh, it was beautiful. It's um, Now, uh, of course, like we like pretending we're artists, but if you can get a government job, it's a good job to have, mm-hmm. right? They got benefits, competitive pay to a degree. Um, Poe now attempts to secure a job in the Tyler administration – which is post-William Henry Harrison, who will be another episode, the shortest president to ever hold office, uh, died of uh, pneumonia um, in part due to his old age and also giving the longest inauguration speech of all time in the rain. But uh, so now how, pres- how big was the crowd size? I want to <laughs> um, what made me laugh is that uh, now in the Tyler administration, Pope's got a hookup. Right, Pope's got um, friends and family uh, uh, directed almost to the presidency on this one. Claims to be a member of the Whig Party, but nobody knows for sure. Could have just been like one of those things where you say you're something in order to advocate a, a future position. But uh, Poe is now attempted to secure this job, and uh, he was a shoe in for the position at the Philadelphia Custom House, which was his dream job that he'd be able to work in writing and stuff like that. But um, missed out on his chance because he got drunk and missed the interview. Right? Shocker. You start now again. We're having a little too much in common with old KP here on this one. <laughs> I have no show. No wonder you before. chose this subject. <laughs> too busy listening to rapture music. It's always. I, have you googled that yet? Because you need to prove me right. Uh, January of 1842 in Virginia. Now uh, this is where it starts to get uh, a little bummy. Is uh, Poe's beloved wife Virginia starts uh, beginning to show signs of consumption. Also known as tuberculosis. All right. The way that they found out was that she burst a blood vessel in her throat while she was singing. So imagine you're just sitting there with, you know, your your adoring wife is sitting there on the piano playing and all of a sudden it's just, you're singing some dropkick Murphy song. Yeah, doing karaoke. And all of a sudden just, <laughs> she hits the high note for wrecking ball and just blood <laughs> comes out everywhere. Oh my god. <laughs> but uh yeah, she burst a blood vessel in her throat, and now she only ever partially recovers from tuberculosis. That's like a death sentence back in the day pretty much. But she hangs on for a couple of years here. Uh, during her illness, if you will, Poe begins to drink more heavily than ever, and it's partially credited like we were talking about for uh, the dark mood of his next published work, as uh, Kelly mentioned earlier, which would be 
The Pit and the Pendulum? No, The Raven. Oh, okay. So that got published into uh, The Evening Mirror, and it became a smash hit. So, uh, you know, everybody knows the Raven. Quote the Raven, nevermore. Iconic shit. Never going to get old. Everybody stuck. Especially that's why we wanted to do this episode around this time frame, because when this one comes out, we're in the height of Halloween season. We're in spook month. Indeed we are. And, uh, and ravens are scary. It's uh, not in the AFC, what's, what's yes. A group, do you know what a group of ravens is called? Like a group of them all together? Mur- I'm not giving another wrong answer for the rest of this show. I don't know either, though. <laughs> a murder. Is it really? Yes. You're shitting me. I'm not kidding. Dude, that's fantastic. Right? That's, uh, I look forward to hearing the, in the comment section about that one. Where was <laughs> But um, so now uh, he puts uh, the raven appears in the evening mirror. Overnight sensation almost. It becomes Poe's signature piece and is the namesake of a two-time Super Bowl winning franchise. And he was paid $9 for it. Mm-hmm. Nine, he, got, he got paid $9 for the... $9 for what would be your seminal work, your greatest work of art of your entire time. I heard life. he was That off. sounds about right. I heard, he was ri- <laughs> I heard he was ripped off often for his work. Now, I feel like writing wasn't a commodity then. You know, just yet we didn't understand the value of it. Where it's, people are giving stuff away for like before patents and stuff like that, people mm-hmm. would give away inventions to the the public domain, and then you realize now if you just hang on to the patent, you I mean so. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this: uh, Did like did he own his works or did his publisher own them? Like, does like I bet now the Raven is in like the public domain. You're reading my notes before the show, Kahuna. <laughs> Wait, is this something you brought in? Are you serious? No, it's uh, – uh, all of your questions are great because um, they're questions I had while I'm researching the guy. And what winds up happening with Poe's estate, if you will, is even goofier than his death. But um, now he gets paid $9 for the Raven, kind of a jip like you would say. <laughs> um, but after several failing publications and other stuff like that, Poe moves to a college in Fordham, New York, which is now the Bronx, right? So he moves up to the Bronx um, in January of 1847. His beloved wife, Virginia, who, despite the fact that they were cousins and he was twice her age, seemed to have a pretty good relationship. Uh, he doted on her. But uh, she dies in the cottage that January. And the uh, would you say a theme of Poe's work, Kel, would be that uh, there's almost always a death of beautiful women and haunted houses and shit like that? There's always people being buried alive, which I think is the craziest thing. It is uh, the definition of creepy. There are people being buried, buried mm-hmm. yeah. be- and they're one of my worst nightmares. After they're dead, they're like buried in a weird way, or they're buried alive. Like it's reoccurring. Well, um, he's also he is considered one of the inventors of the haunted house. That that is what the story of the fall of the house of Usher is about. And um, there is uh, an idea that if your wife, who you love, dies in a, a rickety old cottage. And your life's falling apart, or being in you know John Allen's house growing up as a kid, and then seeing you know kind of your life fall apart from there. The theme of a haunted house is uh, it's almost a uh, personification of Poe. But uh, which I thought was interesting is that he becomes increasingly unstable after Virginia's death. So now, you know, when you can keep it together for a while, there's it's fun to be Bluto Blutowski or whatever from Animal House for a little while. It's not fun to be that way in your late 30s, early 40s, right? Mm-hmm. That's people start. You have a problem at that point. Um, but Poe has become increasingly unstable after her death. His attempts to court another poet, uh, Miss Sarah Helen Whitman. All right. Finally, someone with the normal name. Yeah, she does have a nice name, actually. I feel like I wonder if she's related to Christy Todd Whitman, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> Her, uh, her mother ended. Yeah, because we don't have a New Jersey reference yet, so we need to get one in. It's, uh, it's, this one was tough, but Poe is uh, Poe's interesting enough. Poe's crowbarred one in. It's fine. 
Um, but uh, she ends it after seeing his erratic behavior. That uh, you know, like he's showing up drunk sometimes. He rambles to himself. He's kind of a little bit of a moody he guy. He wrote a bunch of stories about murdering people. Yeah, well, that <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. They're like, oh, I, I, I've been reading some of your work, Edgar. It's uh, it's did, interesting. Do you did have you to really, bury someone alive every time? And did you really put an axe in your wife's head? Okay, I'm out. <laughs> All right, goodbye. Uh, don't look under the floorboards um, <laughs> or in the walls. <laughs> The uh, oh, that's my favorite cask of amontillado. Oh was, my gosh, yes! If people don't know what it winds up being, is that it's a story. It's the perfect revenge story. It's still studied to this day, I think. Right, um, but uh, that was a fantasy I played out in my head that if you could just if you just hide somebody that you didn't like away long enough, they'd forget he ever existed. And you still see Poe referenced in a lot of pop culture stuff as well. But uh, now, not for nothing. Sometimes people think I'm drunk and displaying erratic behavior. Uh, really, it's just that I'm on Ambien. That's really what it all winds up being. That's not a Roseanne defense. That's literally Ambien's made me say and do some goofy shit. But uh, I wonder if that's what Poe is coming across at because uh, Miss Sarah Helen Whitman, her mother cuts it off, right? Poe then returns to Virginia and proposes to his old flame, right? So he missed out on Sarah Elmira Royster the first time, but he's going to try to get her on the gum. Uh, the, she's like a, maybe she's a descending nine. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, she's, you know, and this is while he's on, on – on Ambien, you said it was no, I, okay. I, I, I'm sorry, I drifted there. That was my bad. Don't but, worry about it, buddy. But I, but he's still he's with the very his first wife. person who was ever on Ambien. That's it's another <laughs> first. Another first. But like, this dude. He was fired crazy. for tweeting. <laughs> that sounds about right. Tweeting while on the job. Would Edgar Allan Poe have worked for Fox News? It's uh, no. Now, what's weird here is that uh, he does never recover from Virginia's death. So he tries to. Um, tries to recapture the magic of his youth with Sarah Elmira Royster, right? He tried to do that. But um, he's never going to get over Virginia. It's always going to be – that's the love of his life is his cousin. You know what I mean? Very Lannistery of them. But uh, <laughs> now uh, having never fully recovered from her death, he winds up joining her in eternity. Poe's going to die within two years of Virginia dying. And uh, this is where we get down to the weird part of facts versus theories. So, uh, Kel, off the top of your head, what do you know about the death of Edgar Allan Poe? Well, I've – I've heard two different stories, and one is the one where he's walking down the street, rambling and swearing at the sky, and then another one is that some guy who hated him wrote his obituary and made all of that up, and he really died in a hospital. It's weird that both of them are right. Both of those stories are absolutely correct. Oh, really? Yeah, this is – I'm so happy you said that. Um, so, fact, Poe is found on the streets of Baltimore, October 7th. 1849 in a state of delirium outside of a busy pub in Baltimore, all right, that was turned into a voting poll on election day, all right? So they're, they're voting. Imagine how many poor people would vote if you could vote from the comfort of your own bar? You would never have low voter turnout ever again. It would yeah. literally be like, hey, guys, uh, oh, we're doing trivia night on Thursday here. We're doing the <laughs> midterm elections on Wednesday. Come on out. We're doing two-for-one wings. All right. All you have to do is show your I voted sticker, and we'll go ahead and we'll give you one free pint of Budweiser Light. So, uh, if they the just had like, a casualness to voting. That's, oh, man. Yeah. Well, uh, now voting, as we know, it is even crazier here. One of the other theories uh, that we'll get into later explains that, but um, – he was found on the streets in a state of delirium, ranting and raving, like you were saying, Kel, by a guy named Joseph Walker. Okay, um, Now, I've been in a state of delirium from a guy named Johnny Walker, but that's just me. <laughs> boom, boom. Got the joke in. 
But uh, this man recognized him. Joseph Walker recognized Poe on the street. Poe's famous, all right? Imagine uh, we walked out of here, and uh, I don't want to throw the name of any celebrities that have actually been – but imagine um, imagine we walk out of this studio here at a shared universe that Ming and Zapsik have provided for us, and we see a, a drunk, rambling Kevin Smith walking around <laughs> incoherently talking to himself. We're going to go up and talk to him, right? Totally. Yeah, Autograph, <laughs> selfie. Taking photos with him. Be <laughs> like, so what was the story behind 37? <laughs> well, um, now he walks up to him and he goes, hey, man, is there, uh, is there anybody I can send for that could take care of you? And uh, Walker then sent a letter by Poe's request to uh, uh, Joseph E. Snodgrass. Now, when we say letter, we think uh, modern terms, couple of days, right? Uh, letter back then was probably more of a text message where it's go rush this letter over to uh, so-and-so. Pony but, Express. Uh, well played. The uh, the Edgar Allan Poe Express. Uh, <laughs> so he sends um, a letter over to Joseph E. Snodgrass. What a fucking name that is. Oh, the Snodgrasses. I'm there. Snodgrass of the Snodgrass lineage. Oh, the Snodgrass smells of Snodgrass. I, f- I feel bad for anyone that has that fucking last name. Even I'm still, sorry. Even still. But uh, he was an editor who Poe was acquainted with who had some medical training. And this is the letter that was uh, received by Mr. Snodgrass. Uh, Dear sir, there is a gentleman, rather worse for the wear, at Ryan's 4th Street Poles who goes under the cognomen Edgar A. Poe, who appears in great distress and says he is acquainted with you. He is in need of immediate assistance. Yours in haste, which is the modern equivalent of like, hurry up, goddammit. Okay, but you could have written the same exact thing. In much simpler language, and it probably took that guy so long <laughs> to come up with the perfect wording, and he could just said your friend needs help. I totally agree. That's how proper they were for the time. It is though. hysterical. That letter the, is so funny. <laughs> um, I must bring to your attention that your friend is truly <laughs> fucked up. Dear sir. <laughs> it's like when you get a spam mail from uh, uh, fake accounts over in India. Dear sir, I am for looking for promote for podcast. <laughs> Send boobs and vagina. Um, But now Poe is actually considered – this is a a thing that they've argued about, whether or not it was actually included in the letter – a state of, quote, beastly intoxication, end quote. So we can't – the letter was never found or – No, the the letter was sent, but they they, uh, debate – No one's ever seen it. Like it's probably thrown away. Yeah, they debate what was actually said in there because his – a lot of the story becomes even more shrouded in mystery as we go. Um, But Poe was found to be unkempt. And oddly, in clothes that weren't his own. Now, he, was, he wasn't he was a well-off guy, but he was a pretty good dresser. He was a schnazzy dresser, if you will. But he's wearing clothes that aren't his own, seemingly drunk, rambling out in the middle of the streets of Baltimore, which is hilarious because at the time he was staying in Richmond. All right? So he had a trunk full of all of his stuff in some uh, hotel over in Richmond that he had no clue what had happened to or anything like that. And they said that he looked haggard with uh, vacant eyes. Like – there comes a point in the night, we've all been there before, where uh, one of your friends you're at the bar with, they're here one minute and then they're still in the room, but there's nothing going on behind the eyes. Right? Is that fair to say? The lights are on, but nobody's up. home. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Kelly, you've probably had to you know, hold some people's hair in the past and stuff like that for them, right? <sighs> but uh, <laughs> so there's nothing going on behind Poe's eyes. It's uncomfortable. They want to get him out of there. Uh, Poe is never coherent enough to explain what actually happened to him. Which nowadays, we don't realize how lucky we are. Uh, you mentioned it in the last episode, you were on, Kel. We are so lucky to have Snapchat that now when we black out, we can watch what happened. That's mm-hmm. funny. 
<laughs> so mine is the weird YouTube history where I'm watching like uh, the Magnificent Seven TV show from ABC from like 1999 at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, Netflix can also track everything you've been watching. Another good point there. That's a <laughs> Did I watch Barbarella again? What is going on with me? Um, but uh, so now he keeps – yeah, Poe, this is – keeps uh, yelling out for a mysterious Reynolds. Did you ever hear that one before? No, but I did hear about why they think he was wearing someone else's clothes. Oh, boy. I, we might be arriving. Let me know if this is the thing here. Um, is it a, something known as cooping? I don't know what cooping means. Okay. Cooping is uh, where like we're talking about voting. Yes. Um, vote early and vote often. Well played, Cal. Um, so voting back in the day, Kahuna, would be if uh, we were all going down to the uh, – we were just walking down the street and a gang of people came up to us and said, hey, did you vote yet? And we'd say no and they go, we better go vote for this guy. We're going to kick the shit out of you. And then you come back and you say, hey, I voted for that guy. And they're like, all right, cool. Well, we're still going to kick the shit out of you if you don't go vote for him again. Now go change your clothes, shave your beard, stuff like that. So that's known as cooping where they would act violent. So is that what you were talking about, Kel? Yeah, that he changed outfit. They found him in someone else's clothing because he was vo voting over and over again. Could you imagine that? It, it reminds me of this one sketch they used to do on Mad TV that made me laugh so hard. It was uh, they would make fun of the Jamie Kennedy experiment. Remember that show? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, the joke would be Jamie Kennedy would show up in a goofy outfit and play a character, and they would see how long it would take them to realize it's a character. But the joke Mad TV did is they called it the Al Pacino experiment. And it would be Al Pacino like, we're going to see what happens when I sit down for dinner. With, and it's just Al Pacino would sit down with like a chef's hat on. And they'd be like, oh, my God, you're Al Pacino. And he goes, no, I'm not. I'm a chef. I'm a chef. so funny. <laughs> so imagine taking a famous guy for the time in Edgar Allan Poe and trying to present him as a different person than who he is. like To get him to vote. Yeah, the way Poe looked, you could probably argue that it was uh, Laurel and Hardy. But um, – yeah, so they, they try to get him to vote multiple times here, and they, they debate if he was just got roughed up in the mm -hmm. process of it. But uh, now he keeps calling out for this mysterious guy named Reynolds. That could be the dude who roughed him up. We have no idea. It could be a person that uh, told him who to vote for. But uh, he winds up getting into the hospital. Like you said, again, everything you said, those both stories converge here. Um, Dr. Joseph Moran is the person who cared for Poe at Washington College Hospital on Broadway in Fayette. Um, Poe was kept in a prison – very similar. It was a prison cell almost. It was the drunk tank. So mm -hmm. they put him in the drunk tank, and he was denied any visitors. So his final moments uh, are only known by Dr. Joseph Moran. Uh, Moran's story changed several times over the years. Many people have been dubious of his version of Poe's final words. There were no notes. Well, he gave uh, – it was like this beautiful line about uh, the heavens ascending and being prepared to face my eternal father. And, she, and everybody's like, there is no way. Poe There's no said, way who yeah. wrote the, the guy who wrote these stuff said that. No, exactly. And um, now Poe uh, was rumored. This is a story Moran tells because Moran liked the celebrity status. He's went on. He would go on tour, talking about uh, how like, oh well, you know, I'm the one who cared for Poe in his final days. So he tried to make himself a mini celebrity here. But one of the rumors that he would tell is that uh, he told um, Poe, he goes, you'll soon enjoy the company of your friends, uh, trying to comfort him. And Poe supposedly responded, the best thing my friends could do is to blow my brains out with a pistol. <laughs> oh, so this guy's like early Conrad Murray status. <laughs> <up in this laughs> well, oh, we've man. all said some messed up stuff hung over. <clears throat> well, you're on your way for, you're like, there's, there's coffee and Gatorade. And if there's not, I'm going back upstairs and taking my own head off. <laughs> um but supposedly his last words were, Lord, help my poor soul. And Poe dies on October 7th, 1849. Okay. Now we go back into some of the theories we were talking about earlier. Kelly, do you know any other theories with him? Or? Just to think it's 
I think this might be the truth, though, that his arch enemy is the one who wrote his obituary, and that's so sad. It absolutely is true. It absolutely is true. It, um, people have pondered whether or not it was suicide, uh, depression from Virginia, because Poe had once – this is where his whole opium thing happens. Uh, his whole opium idea uh, – that there's a stigma that comes with him too that um, it all stems from an incident in 1848 where he accidentally overdosed on laudanum, which was – they didn't say – it was probably just a miscalculation. People would drink laudanum all the time. It was like drinking uh, Oxycontin. You know what I mean? You just – you felt like it was – I mean we have an Oxycontin problem today. Uh, laudanum was the Oxycontin of the 1840s. So um, because he overdosed on that, probably by a miscalculation rather than an intent to harm himself – uh, that's what they used to, to you know, kind of continue this idea that he was a, a drug user. But uh, alcoholism was blamed by Mr. Snodgrass. He said it was alcoholism that killed Poe. But uh, funny thing about Snodgrass, he is integral to the temperance movement. You know what temperance is? No drinking. Yep. No drinking whatsoever. So what Another helps your reason cause? to hate this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there wouldn't be a boardwalk empire without him. Very true. Good old Nucky Thompson benefited from that. But uh, And we got the Jersey reference in. Thank you, Kel. Hey. <laughs> um, but uh, what would help the temperance movement more than uh, blaming a rising star of the literary world, a famous celebrity, uh, saying that he died young and in very bad fashion due to alcohol? So uh, – now, the opium rumors were started by uh, his enemies, like we were saying. Uh, one of Poe's biggest rivals is uh, said – this is where one of his rivals actually corrected what the other rivals were saying. They said, uh, if Poe was using opium, we'd have known about it and we'd have been using it against him for years because Poe had a lot of enemies. He would talk shit about other people's writing. Yeah, I heard that he did that. He was the first critic. And he was – he said mean things about what they looked like and <laughs> – yeah, he oh, did. Oh, he went in. He did. Not only, yeah, he would not like that. not even like a writing critique. Like he no, would be he'd be like, like, yeah, and he's fat. He's and fat. Like, yeah, he's unkempt. He His did. mustache is not perfect. He did that. Damn, Edgar Allan Poe, you a dick. Yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he is. A, well, you know what? It's weird is that uh, I wonder if it's that self-loathing that makes people lash out because I, I have a lot of self-loathing, and that's what makes me really good at roasts. For comedy you do roast. not that's have a, oh, of course I do. We all have it. We all have a little bit of it. Yeah, but um, I don't want KP to have it. Well, it's because I think maybe Poe took the hard look in the mirror. You know what I mean? Because he was not a good-looking man. Okay, this was <laughs> yeah. This dude looks like an upside-down pear. Yeah, like his a, head, like that. Like, that's, that's perfect. Like, that's perfect. Yikes! He, he really. Uh, it almost looks like uh, the no, news I'm anchor's looking at son a picture of him guy. right now, and it literally looks like upside down pear. Well, uh, the news anchor's um, son on Family Guy, who has his mouth where his forehead should be, that's kind of <laughs> what he looks like a little bit too. <laughs> oh no! But um, they alleged that uh, again, we're going back to uh, the idea that it could be um, suicide, depression. Uh, the alcoholism. They allude to the opium, but again, his own enemies are saying, like, if he was using opium, we'd have figured it all out. They argue he might have had cholera that he might have gotten from traveling through Philadelphia, uh, which reinforces. The home of cholera. C H O L E R A, cholera. That's almost worse than the Eagles song. Yep, the cholera wins. Um, <laughs> they also say another possibility, and this one may be the most likely, is that he could have had rabies. Or he could have been suffering from a malignant brain tumor. So now that theory of cooping we were talking about, which you already went – imagine that you can't really – it almost doesn't make sense to try to pull cooping on someone who's too famous for it to work like we said with Kevin Smith. But uh, Poe is now dead. He's buried October 8th, 1849. 
And that is a Monday morning. And uh, as we said, nobody hates Monday mornings like alcoholics. <laughs> okay, well, he was he died on the 7th and was buried the 8th. Mm-hmm. So no wake, funeral, nothing. Nope, for him. they rushed that bad boy. I mean, I think you had to get him in the ground quick back then, too, just on account of the body rotting and stuff Ooh, like that. Okay. But um, the ceremony, not well attended, rain and dreary, very dreary day. So uh, once upon a midnight. <laughs> oh, so he would have liked it. <laughs> yeah, this would have been, this is like nice Irish weather um, for old Poe. But uh, I did not know this one until today. Poe had no gravestone for several years. He was marked in a, in a grave, uh, literally marked number 80, grave number 80. Why? You want to get uh, – Where's the um, graveyard? Well, uh, he was dug up from this original grave a couple of years uh, afterwards. But uh, I did find it funny that he's in an anonymous grave marked number 80. You want your New York Giants reference, Kelly? Go for it. Victor Cruz, number 80 um, <laughs> from Patterson. But uh, New Jersey reference. And – To twofer. Wow. Uh, Poe is now reburied years later with an, a monument in his honor because he had been a hit during his day, right? Everybody knew his stuff. But now he's a goddamn legend. I mean, what city was he buried in? Well, he died in Baltimore. And he was buried in Baltimore? Mm-hmm. And that's where the monument is and everything. That's why Baltimore has co-opted a famous Boston writer. So, um, But he was a legend in his passing. So this is almost like the way that we look at uh, Cobain and Tupac and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, Poe was big in his day but even bigger in death. So now digging up his body for reburial, if you want to talk about the macabre and the morbid. Why did they move it in the same city to a different spot? Uh, they want. They felt like that um, it was an opportunity to – because people were visiting the grave and looking for it. And uh, they raised money with this renewed interest in his work. Uh, so they wanted to do a proper memorial oh, okay. for what they thought. They're trying – again, Baltimore needs a hero, OK? They, uh, they really don't have much going right now, do they? They have the wire – and Joe Flacco, and that's pretty much it in terms of what to be proud of. Um, Omar's coming. <laughs> in digging up his body for reburial, the crew accidentally digs up the wrong body. <laughs> Shocker. Okay. Yeah, they uh, wind up uh, – it was a union private uh, that they dug up the wrong body. Oh, my God. And uh, the way that they figured out – and uh, Kahuna, I, I think you're going to love this. Um, okay. The way they figured out that they had the right body is because it was a very well-preserved skull – and they could tell that it was upside down pair. So they found old upside down oh. pair Poe. <laughs> that big old. I had an ex girlfriend who uh, jokingly referred to herself as not having a forehead but a five head. All right. And uh, Edgar Allan Poe had a big old forehead. So that's how they knew it was him. Uh, so that's how they knew they got the wrong person at first because the forehead yeah, was like, too small. Like, oh, this guy, uh, this ain't right. Well, this they, guy looks normal now. Apparently, they turned the bodies around when they were burying them without knowing this. So they dug up a couple of wrong bodies, <laughs> which should be a Poe. If you were to combine Edgar Allan Poe uh, into a modern comedy, like we were talking about earlier, that would almost be the funny thing where it's like you're, you're digging up. Uh, if you want to go, I could almost see it as an It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode where they're digging up a dead body and they finally get it up there and they pop the thing up and they're like, shit. And then you see right next to the hole they just dug, they're digging another hole. Yeah, but so was he in a That's coffin a great and spec episode. He was, uh, he was in a coffin and um, he actually, what they did is that they dug up uh, Virginia from the cottage in Fordham in the Bronx, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they dug her up and now the two of them have been uh, eterned forever in his uh, monument over in Baltimore, so... His beloved Virginia and him are spending Just, eternity together. It's so ironic that they were digging up the wrong grave when in many of his characters, after they killed someone, told the police basically where the person was buried. It's a, I always liked his use of guilt. 
in the in you know the short stories and where the guilt just completely because I saw a stage version of the Telltale Heart. That's my favorite. And they literally just had like a dun 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 mm-hmm. dun dun just beating throughout the entire theater, and you felt the tension. And um, I believe it was Hitchcock that talked about using that tension built up by the heartbeat for uh, a lot of his stuff where he would um, he would have a character check like their uh, their pocket watch or something and you hear the minutes ticking down on like a dynamite timer or something so Poe influenced everybody I mean, he is just honestly he's the coolest guy he still has his admirers to this day I thought this was so cool each year in the early hours of his birthday January 19th for the past 70 years a mysterious figure will arrive at Poe's grave toast a glass of cognac to Poe Leave the remaining bottle and three roses at his grave. How long has this been going on? That has been going on for 70 years. Okay, what's going to happen like when that guy dies? <laughs> Someone's going to take over or are there going to be multiple people <laughs> trying to take this what? pot at once? Now listen, son, this is the family legacy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous. That's what it is. It was uh, They figured out it was a father and son tradition oh, that okay. they didn't care. But they would wear the same type of garb and then now – Baltimore's gotten so into this that they've co-opted it, and it's now, uh, I think, from the Baltimore Historical Society. They send somebody out every year. Yeah, but what happens if many people want to do it, and you just have a bunch of people dressed yeah, up or by his <laughs> grave like that? I bet that happens. Everybody walks by. They're all just doing a cognac toast. They go, oh, cool. Is Dave Matthews playing? <laughs> no shit. Concert in the <laughs> park? I'm so going I'm reading about this. <laughs> next year. I'm looking this up now. And I'm, it, it I'm only, there. It only just ended. The original line of it only ended in 2010, but then they revived it in 2015. Yeah. And guess who's going? in 2019. Uh, January 19th, field trip, Kel. Yep. If you're That's down. so cool. So he shows up in the so early there. hours of the morning. He wears a, a dark um, dark coat and then I think a white scarf and then a big like wide-brimmed hat. And guess who else is wearing a dark coat, a, a white scarf, and a wide-brimmed hat? Us, like, all of us. You're going to look like Carmen Sandiego. Um, <laughs> but it, that tradition is known as the Poe Toaster. Okay. And that happens every year. Uh, like we said, I mean, this is how integral the guy is to the story. Um He's got an NFL franchise named after his work. People get tattoos of Edgar Allan Poe. He's like the, the American Gothic master. I mean, people – I still love his work. I have a collection of his work on my Kindle. So this guy has gone from probably scribbling down on a piece of scrap paper his ideas to then having it put through a printing press, circulated in periodicals, put into books, put onto the computer, put into uh, motion pictures, plays – I'm now reading it on my Kindle. Operas. It, uh, no shit. He did operas? Yeah, um, someone made an opera out of The Fall of the House of Usher. No shit. Yep. All right. That's awesome. That's uh, – well, I know what I'm going to be YouTubing on Ambien tonight. Um, I have to check that one out. It's, uh, and we still study his work to this day. But it's also – it shows up in pop culture references. We're going to get it. This is the, the craziest part here. And uh, I know we're at the hour mark right now. So I'm going to hit this part. You talked about – Posthumous character assassination. Okay, uh, imagine in your head, real quick, if you're listening at home. Imagine a person you hate. Okay, imagine a person you just don't get along with, and now you're going to die randomly, young, relatively successful, but a mysterious death. And now the person who gets to tell your story to the world and control how you are remembered is that worst enemy. So I know who mine is, and uh, in terms of the worst enemy thing, if they got to control the narrative of how I was remembered, I would not be remembered probably as, as I would like to be. I think that's fair to say. Um, Rufus Wilmot Griswold of the Family Vacation Griswolds um, <laughs> was an enemy of Poe's during Poe's own life, and the two often disparaged one another. Okay, 
Um, Poe actually wrote a good review for Griswold's collection of things in order to try to get, a, I believe, published in uh, one of his other works. So it was like, I'll do a favor for you, you do a favor for me thing. But the two of them did not like each other. And the character assassination was happening while Poe was alive. So if you want to talk about being bitter, uh, Mr. Griswold writes Poe's obituary. Yeah, I heard he was spreading rumors before he died and then he wrote his obituary. Uh, yes, and he uses the fake name Ludwig as that's his name that he writes the obituary. Posts it in the New York Tribune. So you and me get into a fight, Kelly. I die. Instead of you sitting there and saying, well, he was my cousin. I loved him. He was fun at Christmas. Uh, you <laughs> sit there. up as Santa it's, every <laughs> year. <laughs> you decide to slander me completely, change how I'm remembering everything, and then you take it to the New York Times. I tell them he was a Cowboys fan. Yep. <laughs> yes, the, uh, the sober uh, uh, Cowboys fan who hated America. That's me. <laughs> um, but uh, – yeah, so the New York Tribune is the big paper of the day. This obituary gets put in there, and that is now uh, – in that obituary, uh, Griswold paints the lasting picture and memory of how Poe's going to be remembered for the rest of his life. OK. It does not look like an upside-down pair, does it? Uh, it's <laughs> uh, you are not far off because um, this lasting memory of Poe is as a talented but raving madman with a pension for drugs, alcohol, who was prone to violence – most of his description of him was taken from a fictional character. This, uh, this is what's funny here. Griswold got accused by Poe of plagiarism, and he that's what started their feud really. Now, this guy then plagiarizes another author's work to make Poe look bad. So it's like doubling down on being a son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. But um, People imagine, called him out on this, right? Like back in the day too? Well, or uh, like- so Poe had his supporters too, but in this obituary, he's now painted to look like this wacky character, but it's based off a of fictional. So again, going back to that reference, if I die and Kelly paints me as Cosmo Kramer for the rest of my life where it's a fake character, mm-hmm. you know? But um, Griswold, uh, he's now given the gospel version of what Poe is going to be remembered by. So the same way that Bob Marley was a revolutionary, but now we think of him as like a smiling stoner guy from Jamaica. Um, you, with time, what the public decides you're, who you were is who you become. So Griswold weasels his way into not only writing the obituary under Ludwig, but he now weasels his way into becoming the literary executor to Poe's work. He publishes all of Edgar Allan Poe's work with permission from the family and everything. Claims Poe gave him permission before he died. Okay. And Did then, he add grammatical errors? Well, it's a <laughs> that sounds like something he would have done too. Like. Well, how Courtney Love esque is this? That it's like, oh well, you know, uh, all the Nirvana royalties go through me, and you're like, kind of like, right, listen, Hole Hole was okay, but it wasn't great. Um, I liked Hole. They had a couple good ones. It's um, now uh, including in this collection of Poe's work that Griswold now has published. He includes his own writing in which he provides the memoir of the author. So he now writes the memoirs for Poe, and the author reiterates all of his lunatic and alcoholic qualities, again, alludes to the drug use and everything like that. Uh, And Poe's defenders are like, this is bullshit. Everybody knows you're lying here. But guess what the problem is? When you have the idea – you know how whenever there's a a mass murderer, um, people want to read – you can't wait to watch a documentary on them. Can't mm-hmm. wait. Charles Manson's of the world, Jim Jones of the world. He made him um, even more famous. They made, yeah, they've now created this uh, air of mystique about Poe. Poe is remembered to this day. Nobody knows who the hell Griswold is. Right. right? Um, now, Griswold made money off of this, don't get me wrong, but you've now created the idea that you're reading, like you said, the madman murderer is Poe himself, that he's inserting himself into the. So you're reading a sociopath's work, and it made his, uh, his legend continue to grow on that stuff. Um, 
all this stuff was top sellers. The Legend of Poe is still, uh, I mean, through the roof on this one here. But uh, I actually thought this was kind of cool. When I was stationed in the Navy down in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, there's a place called Atlantic Beach. I used to go hang out at a lot. And there was a bar there. There's two of these in the world that I know of. They're called Poe's Tavern. Okay, it's an Edgar Allan Poe-themed restaurant. And you go in there, and there's the Telltale Heart Burger. Oh I'm not. I, I swear to God. Oh, I've heard of this place. I have to go there. And now this is the creepiest part. My buddy's band used to play. So I used to go down to the bar, have a couple drinks or something like that. And uh, and I liked being around there. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's got a cool vibe and everything. The other one is in Wilmington, North Carolina, right? Which has probably got knocked out with the uh, the hurricane. They'll be up for business again soon, I hope. And please go support them. But uh, what I thought was crazy is this: is the weirdest part about the Poe thing, that creepy vibe that you get when you read his stuff alone at night. Uh, when you go into the restrooms at Poe's Tavern, specifically the one on Atlantic uh, Atlantic Beach in Jacksonville, Florida, um, when you walk in there, uh, there's writing. All of his writing is on the wall. The wallpaper is made up of just pages of his prose and poetry from different books all over the years. And when you get quiet for a second, uh, there's a faint voice of someone reading his work. So – that's so cool. Yep. So that that's the ambient sound. The uh, uh, the the mu- instead of having elevator music playing in a bathroom or a little classic rock or piping into the game, right? Uh, you, you hear are, someone reading the Telltale Heart or something. Which is why uh, you'll sit there and um, I always thought this was funny. I don't know if it's going to be as funny on this podcast, but here it is forever. Uh, I thought that there was nothing funnier than when um, I got done wiping my ass and I said, "Nevermore." <laughs> <laughs> You know what I would have done though? I would have made it the heartbeat, just to keep that because you're reading all this stuff, but then all of a sudden you just start to. That would hear. be very cool. Did we miss anything on Poe here, Kel? Um, I don't think. I mean, you know more about his life than I ever did. I just know about. What's your theory work. on his death? Like both, like your personal theory. Like, what do you believe it's a great happened question. To, to him? Because I have one, and you're probably going to think I'm nuts, but I want to hear what you guys have to say first. Well, uh, Kel, you tell me what you because I, I liked. I kind of think we're going to agree on the cooping thing. I think that was he did get roughed up. I think. I think so. It sounds like it because there's no other reason why he'd be wearing someone else's clothes. Oh, and that was like the voting thing. Yeah. Know? And well, they were voting. It makes sense. On a, yeah, to be found. Cooping makes sense because you're you're talking about a guy who's found roughed up. All right. Now, I think it could be a combination of everything. I think he could have been suffering from something. Uh, they still do tests on his body to this day to try to figure stuff out. <laughs> really? Okay. They really so do. They dig him up again? Yeah. Well, they, uh, they saved some of his DNA. Oh, they, okay. they tested his hair <laughs> they follicles. They just keep digging yep. him. <laughs> <laughs> the Edgar Allan Poe, the most disturbed grave ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> find out something else let's take them up again there's a there's a sam kinnison reference to be made in here eventually but um no it uh i would say the cooping thing makes a lot of sense too but i I will also say because i i mean i've gone on a couple of benders i shouldn't have gone on and coming off of a bender is one of the most uh dizzying things you could ever go on i mean it is uh that's alcohol withdrawal that's having nightmares hallucinations uh sweating not being able to string together sentences and uh that is that's like after – like you take the end of a good bachelor party weekend and you put that on steroids. That's probably what Poe was doing because they were drinking mostly hard alcohol back then. Um, so I imagine that's probably a combination of all the things. But it would be – it would not shock me if the reason he's wearing another person's clothes outside of a voting booth on election day is because of uh, cooping or I guess uh, not gerrymandering. That wouldn't be the term. But uh, yeah, it's uh, – now what do you think, Cones? Oh, man. This is going to sound bizarre. But like – what if he like 
what, like I I do agree that like some kind of tussle happened, but like when you said the lights well, in layman's terms, when you said the lights are on but no one was home, I was like, did this man like get in a fight and kill someone, but then went on a bender because of it? Because like I know that sounds like wild. You're like, where did you get that conclusion from that? But you're like, well, he already is a little bit of a madman. This dude has gone on benders like this before, and he's wearing someone else's clothes. And I know that the 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 ballot thing was already there a day before, but you're like, why are you doing that again? Like, did you do something, motherfucker? Like, where did and I who's believe, Reynolds? I believe the movie is called The Raven, but it stars John Cusack as Edgar Allan Poe, and it is a highly fictionalized account of the last forty hours of Poe's life. John Cusack. I did yeah. not know that the Baltimore Ravens were named after that. Yeah, that is their like, namesake that's so on that one. Interesting to me. Well, the uh, I could see that. Another thing with uh, with literary stuff is that uh, the New York Knicks are named after uh, uh, Knickerbocker, the which hospital. was uh, which was Washington Irving's name. It was his uh, his pen name, rather, that he wrote Rip Van Winkle and uh, Sleepy Hollow under. So the Knickerbocker Hospital? I Wait. think that got its name from that as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's just uh, one of the cool things with Washington Irving. But uh, I don't want to start on that one here just yet. I do want to say real quickly. We'll save him for another loser. It's a, <laughs> I do want to say uh, uh, thank you, if I can, real quick, to Kahuna Behind the Ones and Twos, buddy. Show is better when you're here, man. I appreciate that. No problem, uh, man. Cousin Kelly, thank you for subbing in on that one. Uh, I love you. You know that. Oh, um, I love you, too. It's um. Now, on October 27th, if you're listening, because when this podcast comes out on this coming Tuesday, uh, October 27th, I'm going to be opening for Vic DiBattetto at the Millstone Theater. That's going to—I don't get to do many theaters, so I'm really excited about that one. Um, my New York City dates I don't want to plug because I'm never—it'll uh, never come out in time for that stuff. But uh, looking forward to that one, man. That's going to be really cool. On October 27th, you can get the tickets on VicDiBattetto.com. Uh, if you guys are liking the podcast, I love doing this. I have nothing else going on in my life, all right? Uh, if you could subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, uh, follow us on SoundCloud, uh, download the show, just leave a review, share the posts when I put them out every Tuesday. We're doing Tuesday, Lose Day. I try to put a new one out all the time. we got something very exciting coming for you guys uh, next week, the week after this podcast comes out. We're going to be doing a live on Facebook episode for our Halloween special. Uh, really looking forward to that one, too. Again, guys, anything you do to help the show out, those reviews really do help us too, uh, and it makes things easier. I want to keep this thing going as long as I can. So, well, it's awesome. I keep telling you this; like, it's it is an awesome show. show. I do have a a question for you though Hit before you go. Like, I know the show is called American Loser, but Poe didn't sound that much of a loser until the end. Like, I mean, the the circumstances of his death. Like, why did you pick him for this week? Because he's more fascinating than a loser. Well, to maybe, me. Maybe because he went from being like a sergeant to an ROTC. <laughs> See, that part I get. But like when you die penniless, uh, delirious in a, uh, a prison-like cell in a hospital in Baltimore. First of all, anybody who dies in Baltimore. <laughs> loser. Yeah, not going so good. But uh, no, I, I picked him because I thought that this is a guy that everybody knows, but nobody knows the, the final thing of how he wound up. Okay. And he married his 13-year-old cousin. I mean, come on. That's a <laughs> you know what? That's, that's, that's fair. Where do you think he ranks He's in, in our scale of To me, losers. he's not a loser because I love his writing so much. So he's not a loser, am I? No, it's but a, we've like – there's like a small scale, we've, like, a, like an unofficial scale we've developed. Like the bottom of the barrel is Gateau. I would say, uh, yeah, Gatou being the, the sociopath that he was, that's definitely uh, the loser on that one here. But the only thing, because I love this scale thing, I want to put that, I have an idea for that for putting it on social media that I don't want to give away just yet. Um, but we do want to start ranking these on a, on a scale. But uh, Poe, 
loser in terms of how he went out. Kind of a dreary life, but I mean, Christ, we're still talking about him, and it's 2018. So yeah. maybe he's not so bad here, man. But I hope you guys enjoyed our episode on Edgar Allan Poe. Now, in the the natural conversation we like to have here, sometimes we lose sight of a couple of things. Uh, Cousin Kelly, we were just watching on YouTube the epic rap battle in history of Stephen King versus Edgar Allan Poe. Now, we were t- you immediately said something really cool. You would say Edgar Allan Poe wins hands down. Why would you say? Because we didn't talk about the literary stuff. I think Edgar Allan Poe wins hands down because he got everything across in a short story. And they were very, very short stories, like four pages. And st- it would take Stephen King chapters and chapters to say the same thing. So to me, that means Poe wins. So uh, the same way that like we can all say The Shining. I don't want to talk too, too much about King. But uh, – the Shining takes forever in the novel, and people. And it's, it's so good. I don't want to diminish oh, yeah, that. It's but if you're going to battle, I would go with Poe. And you're creeped the hell out fast. Now, w- w- the benefit of a short story, like you said, is that so the Shining you have to read over the court. You can be the fastest reader on planet Earth. It's going to take you a couple days to get through the Shining. But uh, you were saying that the reason Poe likes short stories is he like he wrote short stories because he thought everything should be taken in in one sitting, and you can do that with a short story from beginning to end. You could sit there, and his were short. I mean, twenty minutes. You could probably read one of his stories and get everything that Stephen King does in. I mean. And Sometimes sti- 700 pages. And it's still at the same time isn't an insult to Stephen King. No. Like his books are still incredible. And I, I, this is coming from someone who really wanted to read 112263. And it's the best and book it's, and it's, ever. It's amazing. But it is it's, one of it's my favorite this, books. It's literally it's about. 700 pages. Yeah, it's about Did you read three, it? three inches thick. Did you read it? No, I started. Uh, you have to. And I really like. I recommend you ever watch it the, all the time. You ever watch the miniseries? Because he had yeah, a lot of direct involvement with that. It, the book is so much better. What uh, I would almost say back to Poe. Is that, uh, <laughs> Let's get back to Poe. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, you're good. You guys are excited, so it's. I, I appreciate that part because we lose that, then we lose the soul of the show. But um, the Poe thing that I thought was kind of cool is a name making me think about. It. He doesn't waste words. No. He has to create that mood of tension and everything. Because I remember the fall of the House of Usher. I went through that one the first time I was reading it, and I was like, this is kind of boring. And then uh, when you're reading the cliff notes, when you get through, like, oh, yeah, and he's talking to so-and-so. And then, uh, oh, and there's a corpse chasing him throughout that. And you're like, whoa, I I need to be patient and let this thing develop. And you realize he doesn't waste a single word. There's also one thing I wanted to mention, too, is that uh, Treehouse of Horror comes out on The Simpsons every uh, Halloween, one of the, the highlights of the year. Um, they once did a reenactment of a reading verbatim, word for word, of The Raven uh, with Homer Simpson as uh, the main character of The Raven. Mm-hmm. So uh, Poe's always going to be there, but again, he doesn't waste a single word. Everything creates a mood of tension. Telltale heart, like we said, Oh you my freak gosh, out. the tension, definitely. You know? Cas- and the cask of Amontillado as they're walking through the catacombs and everything. I mean, you – and the, the narrator tells you what he plans to do, so you know it's coming. And same with Telltale Heart. He says, I'm going to kill this guy. Let me ask you guys this then. Like when you think of Edgar Allan Poe, what do you think is the most uh, like, creepy or macabre image that comes into your head from something you read of his? Because just from that alone, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, Mask of I, the Red Death is pretty gross. You know, I never read Mask of the Red Death. I, can, yeah. I have to on that. The, uh, the one that comes into my mind is always It's fortunate. modern day Ebola. Like people bleed out. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. All right, so this is uh, a... <laughs> well, I shouldn't say it's modern-day Ebola. It's 1840s. Everyone looking like an Andrew W.K. Yeah, now that cover. one's pretty... Oh. 
That's um, a good one. Well, Fortunato, when Fortunato gets uh, – when he realizes his fate, that he's been poisoned um, by Montresor, I believe was the guy's name, uh, when he starts putting the wall back together in the wine cellar and mm-hmm. he realizes his fate. Because when people realize their fate, it it's unnerving. And it's almost the thing that Game of Thrones borrows from when uh, – what's her name? Uh, you, they leave the sand snakes. When uh, Cersei gets the sand snakes and she has the, them captured – and uh, literally, the mother has to watch one of her, her favorite daughter die in front of her from poison. Mm-hmm. And they walk out the door. I immediately thought of the casket of Amontillado. That yeah. That's the same kind of a thing. Those people's fates are sealed, and you're never going to see it. But you just know there's this well, unpleasantness that hangs around. And I love that because the guy at first thinks it's a joke, and he's laughing. Oh, come on. They're going to have such a good story. Come on, let me out. And then he finally realizes, no, this is where you're dying. It's just he's the – Poe is amazing. If he never wrote The Black Cat, he would be my best friend. But because I like animals, I got a problem with him. Do you think um, Do you think Poe – I would say this. If we're going back to the King thing for a second, um, that there is no Stephen King without an Edgar Allan Poe. There's not a lot of people without Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, we never know if they come up with it on their own, but he was seemed to be the first. People and weren't writing his shit. He is in every anthology, and it's timeless. I mean, it, Telltale Heart still gets you. And you guys brought this up briefly when we recorded in the main podcast. He was like the the originator of the detective novels, mm-hmm. like that's which I'm not like I know that, but I've never even read any of his detective stories because they're not as well known as. It's still Edgar Allan Poe. I'm going to read it. That's just, that's, that's and we a, all know we could do it in 20 minutes. That makes us want to read it. <laughs> wow, an Edgar Allan Poe 20-minute mystery. Yeah, not 700 pages, but you still mm. have to read the Stephen King book because it's one of the best books ever. We'll do. So all that stuff falling into American Gothic, which is why I thought this was a perfect episode for Halloween. And uh, again, I just want to say thank you guys. This was a cool one. I want to make sure we got that on tape because oh, I thought cool. that was important Good. to the show. So thank you very much, Kel. No problem. Sure. And thanks, Uncle Bobby, for paying for school. <laughs> <laughs> All $7,000 a year of it back then. Thank you very much. This has been Edgar Allan Poe, American Loser. American Loser, the day I was born. And American Loser, the day I was born. And American Loser, the day I was born. <laughs> <laughs>